All right. Shalom, shalom. So we are continuing our journey through the Shara Bitochen. We are in the fourth chapter. Just to give some context. And the context will be the following. We began the fourth chapter with the goal of pointing out that Bitochen is the foundation of our inner Jewish life. How Bitochen could challenge someone's responsibility of doing the things that need to get done. How do we reconcile what we need to do versus what we have to rely on Hashem exclusively for? And as the Rabbeinu Bachaya wrote in the beginning of the fourth chapter, that he's going to address it in seven areas of life. I think this is very important. And the first one was health. Then we went through Parnasa, wealth. In LA, Parnasa means wealth. Then we, yes, last week we spoke about where Bitachin comes in personal relationships. In other words, in every area of life, there is a something that is added substantially when a Jew educates oneself and having Bitachin or having better Bitachin. So we almost closed that third area. Last week we spoke about those who have no relationships, they are feeling lonely where Bitochen comes in over there, and then where Bitochen comes in when people are in, God willing, many different types of relationships. We have family, we have community, and uh, as we spoke out, that the inner Bitochen is not so much in what I'm doing, but how how I'm going to feel about that which I am doing. And we spoke last week about how difficult it is to be a purer, but the greater bitachon one has in Hashem, then the healthier our relationships with others will be. I just want to close the topic, which goes all the way in the beautiful uh, kahas, shara bitachons, all the way to page 163. The only thing that we left out last week, and, and just a bikitzun, is that how bitachon is needed when a person has a negative relationship. In the worst case scenario, where someone feels to be the victim of someone else's intrusion, uh, evil doing, um, I'm being hurt by the other. And here, Rabbeinu Bachaya, very much a source for the Alter Rebbe's 25th letter. And we spoke about this so many times, so we're not going to repeat it. Emphasizes how much Bitochen helps a person, how much Bitochen helps a person to deal with those relationships what, which are experienced to be hurtful based on one Nekuda, and that is, is that there is no one that hurts me. There is God's wanting for me to undergo this experience, and I'm just taking out the word. Uh, I can let's leave the word hurt. I, I'm if I am hurt, I'm hurt by God. And never and and when Jews have been talking, we are very good at not giving other people God-like attributes. You and you and you or no one has the ability to hurt me. It's only God's doing, and we'll leave it at that. So. This is where Bitochen has what to say in interpersonal relationships. We are beginning this week, and we're going to, from the seven categories, let's cover the fourth and the fifth, which are very similar. And those are, as he puts it, our religious responsibilities, or our mitzvah's responsibilities. Sorry, I have a question. Sure. If we are hurt only by Hashem and we have the choice not to hurt someone, yeah. 
Well, if God wants me to get hurt, that's right, correct. And if you chose to hurt me and God does not want me to get hurt, then you'll never succeed in hurting me. Just this mindset of there's one author in my life and that's God and that's it. It doesn't mean to, to become vulnerable to other people's bad doings. Yes, I have to protect myself, but post facto, the Holocaust happened by God. I know these are very painful words and we have to learn how to deal with it. The Nazis are nothing. They're nothing. There's a reason why religious institutions don't bring youngsters to Auschwitz. I don't think it's a bad thing to go there. I think it might be a good thing to go there. But when youngsters go there, they, beca- they become very intimidated by the Germans, who are nothing other than human beings. And, and, and almost all of them now are descendants of human beings that chose to do horrible things. But they have no power. If Hashem would not have wanted this to happen, it never would have happened. And let's leave this topic, which is a very painful topic. We spoke about it many times, but that's where Bittachen comes in. It's only God. Just one quick question about this. So, should Jews even live in Germany today? The question of where Jews should live will be discussed in a few moments in a, in a bigger context. Yeah. Wherever there are, let me use mystical words, holy sparks that have to be redeemed, Jews will live there whether they will make that choice or whether it will be even against their choice. And whatever, there is nothing to be done there. Mystically, Jews will not end up living there. My wife and I lived in Hong Kong for a while and we met Yidin that were traveling all over the Far East. Especially in the 80s and in the early 90s, the only large religious community other than Singapore that always had was Hong Kong. So Yidin that were traveling for business or otherwise, they would come for Hong Kong for Shabbos. So we would meet Yidin. There were Jews that were living in some island of the Philippines. And he told me that a big Makubal, someone that we respected, told him that he should move out of there because there's no sparks needed to be redeemed there. And together with that, he shared a story that he lived there with his wife um, who underwent a conversion you know, he became observant and ultimately he left. But while he was still there, how to make a living? I mean, these are, you know, free spirited people. He made a living by having a few kiosks on the beach that was renting out all of the uh, boating and the surfing and all of the, but they try to convince you the fun, the fun stuff on the water nebach. And then you pay, you go and you pay for it and you have fun, it's fun. Okay, good. That's another parsha. So that's it. They made a living. And, and he became from, and how beautiful was that? So when he became from, he actually lived in one of these huts with his wife, you know, you know, a hut with a back hut. And how Shabbos was Shabbos there. And how a few Yidin from, from England, college students were walking down the beach. This is Mamash in the middle of an island, that the middle of, in the middle of the Pacific. And how moving was it for them that they heard him singing Zemiro Shabbat, how it moved people to not only have a hirur tshuva, but it probably moved them to actually modify younger people, their lifestyles. His message was that even though there was nothing there to be done, as far as there's no local sparks, but there were Jews that were going there. And therefore, he was trying to explain that it it made sense in retrospect why he was there. He saw what he accomplished. Us living in a location has to do whether there's work there. The Rebbe did not want people to go to Poland when the Rebbe was alive. 
clearly. Why? The Rebbe felt that all of the sparks were elevated there. I mean, the Rebbe didn't use these words. The Rebbe never showed that he was a tzaddik. The Rebbe felt that we should not go there. And Chabad moved there because after years, many Yidin moved to Poland. So if you have Jews that are living there and they're not eating kosher, then I have an achrayas to make sure that they do have kosher food and they do have a school to educate their kids. You know, that's like the story I just told. Even if there's no local sparks, but if you are importing new Jews and if they need a religious infrastructure, which we all need, then let's provide it for them. I have nothing against, I didn't mean to say this in a negative way. I'm just emphasizing that there is a wisdom why when you look at many other communities and they travel with high school students, they go to Auschwitz and they go and we, we are beautiful. First of all, beautiful. If someone has no religious chinuch, um, it's not ideal to be Jewish because of anti-Semitism. But if someone is not acting Jewish and now that they see how much we were hated and if that arouses within them, a desire to get closer to Yiddishkeit, it's not the best path, but it's better than no path. Normally people who go on these trips, they feel more connected to their own Yiddishkeit. The negative side of these trips is that is that we feel victimized. We feel victimized and, and it brings up questions, how did God allow for all this to happen? I'm saying there's a balance in it. I think people that come from a religious home, it's much better for them to go to Israel, to Eretz Yisrael, much better for them to go on any other type of religious trip, even if it's not Eretz Yisrael, like go to Kivrei Tzadikim, rather than to visit um, the concentration camps. Youngsters, people get older, I think it's uh, something that, you know. I mean, a lot of Israelis, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge groups. Yeah, 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 I know that, I know that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not speaking negatively against it. I'm just pointing out that when, when people accept that whatever happens to me happened by God, you, you mamish, it's a shift. It's just, it's very hard to get there, to really believe. If someone slaps me across my face, it wasn't that person. David HaMelech got there. He was harassed by someone and he really understood it was God's doing. I'm not saying, then take it up with God. We're not addressing how are you to take it up with God, but it's when you're taking it up with God, you're going to the right place. You know the way kids play with each other, like one one of your kids hits the other and, and they make believe it was someone else. Mm-hmm. And you see your kid arguing with that innocent one, the whole thing is off. That guy did nothing. That kid is innocent. In other words, the, the party of power is only God. There is no other power. There is no other power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here, here comes the big question. And that's, I think, this should be the topic of, of this week. We'll try to go through the fourth chapter as much as we could, but this is a big topic. When we say that there's only one power in the world, which is God, which is Emes, there is one exception. The one exception, I'm using the words of the Talmud, Hakoil Everything is in the hands of God other than the fear of God. The fear of God in the context of Rabbeinu Bachaya is my commitment to be observant. My commitment to be observant, whether I'll succeed or not, we'll get that in a moment, there's a mitzvah to be done. There, it's clear God is the one that commanded me or that asked of me or any way you want to frame a mitzvah. And it's completely within my power to choose to be obedient to what God wants or to be obedient to some part of me that might want something else. That is completely my power. 
That is the area in which God really gave us the freedom and the achrayas to make the right choice. So he really, I'm just, he doesn't ask it, but he's addressing something. In that world of me keeping the mitzvahs, does bitachin play any role? Again, at first glance, you would say no, because bitachin basically is, it's not me, it's God. So let me rely on God. And as we keep on speaking out the fourth chapter, no one should abuse bitachin by saying, oh, I'm going to rely on God and therefore I won't do my responsibility. My responsibility is the area in which I should not have bitachin. I got to do what I what, what I have to do. So particularly when it comes to mitzvahs, separating that from all other parts of my life, which are all mitzvahs related, we are religious people, where you would live is mitzvah related, but it's not a mitzvah. I'm not breaking a mitzvah if I'm going here or there. But when it comes to me, whether I'm going to choose to keep Shabbos or God forbid, etc., and any other mitzvah, that is an area in which God is commanding me what I should do. So really the question is, where does Bitachin play a role in my observance? And that is what where we're at. And, and he adds, he, he, he divides my mitzvahs into two categories, which are beautiful. Mitzvahs that do not affect others. Parenthetically, everything we do affects others. He's not denying that. But he gives examples, like well, whether I'm going to fast on Yom Kippur or not. He's not speaking about a person who gets very grumpy and therefore doesn't speak nicely with the other. So it does affect others. But he's speaking about well, whether I'm going to put on tefillin or not. Then there are other mitzvahs, a mitzvah of tzedakah. That's a mitzvah that's directly connected to me doing something good for the other. And I'll explain to you where bitachin does play a role even in my mitzvahs. The question is where? Bitachin? Relying on God? No, no, no. I got to do it. So he writes like this. Some of his words are, are gold. And I want you, whoever is using the white book, at least to read a little bit inside, page 165. These are ideas that we are lucky to have Chabad Hasidus that enlighten, that, that give more words that help us better appreciate what he's trying to say. And I'm reading on page 165, the second paragraph. V'hu ki when it comes to this question of whether I'll do what God wants or whether I'm going to transgress God's will, you have to break it down into the, into the following three. All three together will, will conclude in me doing or not what God wants. Number one, the choice. He's saying the choice that one makes with one's heart and mind. I love everything. Every word is so beautiful. So the choice is made both with your heart. Just a choice. First, you have to make the choice. Once you made the choice, then number two, the mental, the inner resolve, the mental resolve, the emotional resolve to actually do my choice. Get it? First, you got to choose. Then, now that I made the choice, now I'm gearing myself up internally to do that which I chose. And then, number three, the actual doing it. Bringing it out. Bringing out your choice to the actual world. And not only beginning to do what you decided, but going through until the end. Now let's come back to the way we'll word the question. Being that Yirat Shamayim, or my choice to be observant, 
in the in the six thirteen mitzvahs is not the area in which bitachon should play a role. It's a, it's a cop out. No, 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 no. I, um, I, I have to do what God told me to do. From these three, where do I have the most power? In my choice, in my mental resolve, and in my actual doing. In my choice. Very good. So he writes beautifully. He says, you're right, that bitachon does not play a role in my choice. There is, there is, no, there is no bitachon there. God told me what he wants. It's on me to either choose yes or, God forbid, the opposite. Sure. Pick any mitzvah. Let me speak about, I mean, I'm sp- we're supposed to uh, wake up every morning and learn Torah. Mm-hmm. Supposed to wake up every morning and daven. Does that apply as much to women? Take- Equally to everyone. Very good. This is very important. He makes clear a few things. He separates number four from everything until now, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak it out in a moment. Whenever I'm dealing with a mitzvah, you give me an example. You give me any. It can be a mitzvah that, that you're not struggling with. Let's say not a mitzvah. Let's say it's just something going on in your life. Oh, that's a big difference. Oh, okay. That's this whole point. In anything in which there is a clear instruction from God what to do, okay, not where I should live, but what to do in the place that I am living. No matter if I'm gonna stay in LA or move, God forbid, to Gehenna over there to Miami. No matter which way, I gotta keep shops. So the choice of where you would live is not a direct mitzvah, right? Now, there are times, I don't want to get to over here, that whether you're gonna, living in Israel is a mitzvah. So I don't want to speak about here versus there. I want to speak about here, chutzlaretz versus chutzlaretz. Everything is mitzvah related. I know that. Everything is mitzvah related. Why do people make these struggles? Because chinuch there is better. But it's not a direct mitzvah. Direct mitzvah, when it comes to God, it very clearly is telling me, do X, Y, and Z, Shulchan Aruch. Anything that's written in the code of Jewish law, if that scenario is in front of me, as it is thousands of times a day, or more, mamish, big things, little things, in the realm of number one, that Rabbeinu Bachaya says, bitachin is a sin. What do you mean bitachin? Bitachin? No, not bitachin, relying on God. No, 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 you make the choice. God already told you what he wants. And he gave you the freedom to choose. It's mine. That's the only area that I mamish have the power. The areas where I have power using bitachin in that area is a cop-out. Let me contrast. And, and, and what many people are struggling with. And, and you know, this is a little bit of a tangent, but, it's, but I think it's a good example and it's an important tangent. We... Chabad Hasidim, when the Rebbe was physically here, we had something that most people did not. And it's very difficult to live without it. There are many parts of the Rebbe's physical passing that should make the life of a Chassid difficult, that does make a life of a Chassid difficult, but I want to speak about guidance. A thinking person will face constantly different options where the person will not have clarity what is the better thing to do. And all of these questions clearly are not direct mitzvahs. If it's a direct mitzvah, you don't need guidance from a Rebbe. For that we have God. God gave us a Shulchan Aruch. You don't need guidance from a smart friend. You don't need guidance from Ruach HaKodesh. The greatest level of Ruach HaKodesh was revealed to us when we were around Mount Sinai and God told us exactly what he wants from us. But life isn't only the 613. 
It's a big part of life. I think it affects every part of life, but there are many areas of life that are called reshus. These are another good words, Hasidic words. So in the lowest world, there's something unique. In the higher worlds, either it's Kedusha or Sitra Achra. Everything is polar. In this lower world, God, Dafke, made a world in which there's Kedusha, there is Sitra Achra or Klipa, and then you have uh, in between. It's not holy, but it's not sinful. If you want to measure the hours that you are awake, the majority of your day, unless you have the schus of working as a teacher, or Kli Kodesh, most of your day you can argue is Rishos. Maybe with young children, you got women with young children, everything is a mitzvah. It could be direct mitzvah. But I'm saying when you get older. So there's many activities that are 100% kosher, that are mitzvah related. You're taking care of your health. It's not a direct mitzvah. It is a it's mitzvah related. If I'm not going to be healthy, how can I do what God wants? I can't. Whether I'm going to, I'm going to follow this diet regime or the other. Rishos. There's no shulchan aruch on that, right? Or let's go to the previous topic of making a livelihood. What what option should I choose if I have options? And if you're living in an America and you have a certain wiring, you're like an entrepreneur, then you really have a lot of options. I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking to do something. Okay, what exactly? Well, I can do A, B, and C. Which one of these options should I do? These are called divrei shows. See, here the choice itself is an area in which you need to have bitachim. Here you need to have bitachim. Because God did not tell you what to choose. What happened over the years, going even back to Moshe Rabbeinu, is that many times we would go to the tzaddik and tell the tzaddik, I don't want the burden of that choice. I don't have enough information to make the right choice. I don't have. You know more than I know. You see more than I see. You're smarter than I am. The biggest thing is to have Ruach HaKadosh. Please make the choice for me. Here are my options. Guide me. Nothing wrong asking that question. We have been doing it, Mamish, since Moshe Rabbeinu days. You should just know that when Moshe Rabbeinu was physically here, when the Rebbe was physically here, I know a fact that to many people he didn't answer. You know why he didn't answer many people? Because there are certain choices that you have to make. Even though you don't know whether your choice is the best choice. You don't know that. You have to make your effort and do the best you could and make a choice. This is not mitzvah related. And when you make that choice, you know what you need? Be talking. You have to come, listen, God, I'm doing the best I could. You, like, you need be talking almost to make the choice. When it comes to mitzvahs, you don't need bitachon to make the choice. God already told you what he wants. You have to now, will I obey or disobey? It's very simple. There's no bitachon involved. After the, when the Rebbe is physically not here, so some people in, in my community decided that they're going to figure out a system of always getting an answer from the Rebbe. And, and you know, I was quieter. I'm going to be less quiet. I think it's very dangerous. I think it's not a correct approach. And I think there's a danger to that. Unlike, the ignorance, like unlike, unlike learning the Rebbe's Igris and understanding to the best of our ability how the Rebbe approached different areas in life and doing the best we could applying the Rebbe's approach to my problem with the humility, with the humility of knowing that my extrapolation might be flawed. 
the Rebbe would have been there physically, he might have told me something else or he might have told me nothing at all. And the Rebbe many times said nothing because part of life is making choices. Part of life is making choices. And there's nothing wrong seeking counsel. It's a mitzvah, I think. That, no, it's not. A, I don't want to use the word mitzvah in this conversation. It's a wise thing to seek counsel. But sometimes the wise counselor tells you this is your choice to make. No matter which side. How many people, when it came to Shaduchim from my generation, it, it, for some people it was very difficult. And they meant it, but they wrote to the Rebbe, Rebbe, just tell me who to marry. I don't want this headache. And I'll marry her besimcha. And you should know other times. Th- did it. Darizal will tell us, tell me them, you marry that person. How amazing is that or not? Depends how you look at it. It takes away the burden of choice, but you have direction. Other, other than in mitzvahs, God did not give us clear direction. He gave us boundaries. He gave us guidelines. But within that, there's a lot of room of maybe this, maybe that. Maybe this, maybe that. And, and the beauty of life is, is that we don't always know and we do the best we could and sometimes we fall on our face to our understanding and that is where Bittachem plays a much bigger role. That's what he's trying to differentiate. That if it's a direct mitzvah, you have direction from the source. You have the, the, mo- the greatest direction from God. Now it's upon me, number one, to make the choice. And he writes beautifully that in the number one, my making the choice, there is no bitachah needed. Don't invite God into that. God already gave an opinion. God gave me the freedom. It's all me, all 100%. Either I'm going to choose to do it or I won't. But then he makes a number two. And number two and number three, Chabad Hasidus beautifully, says that there is the inner person and the outer person. That's the beginning of Tanya. The inner person is mind-heart. The inner person is the way we think, the way we feel. The outer person is what we do, our behavior. And the Alter Rebbe argues in Tanya that we, unless we're tzaddikim, most of us are benanim. That's fine. That's the way God wants it. We don't have full power over our mind and heart. So if you think a certain way, and you know that it's contrary to the way God thinks, or if you feel a certain way about anything, and you know that God does not want me to do that, but I'm, I want to, I feel for it, that you're human. We're not judged for our thoughts. We're not judged for our feelings. We are judged whether we will bring it out to action or whether we won't, whether that's going to be compliant or defiant to God's will. So he writes, when it comes to category number two, I need be talking is when I make a choice to do something, it would be so much better if God would allow... It says the first two things you do not need to do. No, 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 no. You do. It says the author will now make a distinction between the first two things about which a person should not need to So let me read Vaitir. Only the third thing. No, no, I don't think so. I read it. Let me, I, I, I'm not taking that. Let me read the Hebrew. Sure. Okay. Very good. Okay. I stand corrected, but I'll make a tweak in a moment. On, on, on the first, on my choice. Okay. Very good. When I direct my mind and heart, my directing of mind and heart, I have the power. But whether I'm going to stay focused on that, look at number three. Whether I'm going to stay focused on my resolve meaning I'm going to bring it out to the end, action, or whether it won't come out all the way to the end, that's bitachan. That's not on my control. 
How many people chose to keep Shabbos, but they were in a setting where they were unable to keep Shabbos? How many people wanted to hear the shofar? But you know, my grandfather, he was in jail in the Sibir. He, he did not hear the shofar. He chose to hear it. He wanted to hear it. Couldn't. In other words, the result, even of our mitzvahs, is something where we need to have God's help. May Hashem help me keep his mitzvahs. That is a correct statement. Let me just add even for number two. May Hashem help me uh, stay emotionally engaged with the mitzvahs because we don't have full power over our emotions. So when I'm doing the mitzvah, I would love to love it. I can daven Hashem, I'm doing it anyways. Please give me some more gishmak in the mitzvah. I'm davening to God because I'm not fully in control over my feelings unless I'm a tzaddik, which I'm not. Okay? But you're right. He's writing over here that the choice and then the inner resolve to do it that's me. The actual doing it, it's good to work. That's where bitachin plays a role. And it's good to have bitachin. We still need bitachin. I made the choice. I'm focusing. Now will I follow through with it all the way until the end? And that is not fully in my control. Again, it's not that I have no control over it. Davin Shmuel Esrei. I'll give my great example. Go Davin. Many people resolve. You know what? I'm davening Shmuel Esrei once a day. Mitzvah. For men and women, Dr. Rebbe says even mincha is a mitzvah for women. Okay, I'll begin with one. I'm, I'm, men, Davin Shmuel Esrei. You have to have kavana. It's not so easy to have kavana. It's really not easy. I'm not talking about mystical kavanas. I'm speaking about just, you know, have in mind that you're standing in front of God. And, and, and know the meaning of every word throughout the Shmuel Esrei. Very few people have that capacity. There's nothing wrong with davening to God. God, help me have kavana. That's not sacrilegious. God help me make the right choice. He's saying, no, don't do that. Don't throw it to God. <laughs> throw it to you. There is where you must take ownership. I got to tell him, I have the power to choose. I have the power to choose. Will I choose or not? That's up to me. Don't bring bitachen in that which God gave over to me. Beautiful. The choice regarding anything not mitzvah related, which is where people need clarity. There we involve God. That's why people would go to a Rebbe. Now, the Rebbe can, can say, no, no you got to do it. You're on your own. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to know whether he should send spies. A great example. God did not tell him. God told him, do how you understand. Right? Shlach ledaitcha. Now, you have to know how to read the story, whether it turned out terrible or whether in the bigger picture... Doesn't matter how you understand what happened. I'm just giving examples that even God, like Moshe Rabbeinu, who spoke to God, if it's not mitzvah, really, the mitzvah was to go into Israel. There, there's nothing to ask God. God already told told us what to do, how to go about certain things. Option A, option B. If it's not direct mitzvah, here it makes sense to invite God into it. And if God doesn't respond to you, then you do the best you could. And then you have bitachin, that the hashgacha pratis, whatever choice you made, you, you, you did the best you could. That's what God wanted to have. Post facto, pre facto, you don't know. In other words, davening to God for, for a person to find the right shidduch, that's good. But davening to God for you to get married, or to resolve to get married. No, don't daven. God already told you you have to get married. You have to resolve to go get married. The question now is with whom? Ooh, with whom God didn't say. You understand? That's where Hashem comes in. Yeah. So, so in terms, let's say davening is a mitzvah. So 
We have a mitzvah davening. That is our choice. I made a choice davening. It is also a mitzvah to have kavanah. I've made a choice to have kavanah, but I still need Hashem's help. That's what. That's that's the way I understand right. number three. Correct. So in and, other words, so it's a combination of like my choice with trusting that Hashem is going to help me and asking Hashem to help me. Yeah, yeah. Whenever, when okay, very good. Whenever bitachin is is relevant, then asking God is equally relevant. Very good. Wherever it's, wherever bitachem does not belong, that also means don't ask for God to help you do something. So the choice part of the mitzvah, the inner focus, number two, is on me. But then doing it until the end, like like I chose to daven. I'm actually, I'm going to stand Shemayna Esrei, unless the building falls in. For that I also have to daven. Everything should be here. But, but will I have kavana? I know that I can make an effort and I won't succeed yet. So th- for that you need bitachim, bitachim that God is going to help me, and I ask of God, and uh, you know, beautiful, Mama's beautiful. So where where does bitachim not belong in the choice, or in the inner focus? I, I'm mentally and emotionally saying, okay, I'm in. I made the choice, and now I'm going to direct myself towards it. After I make that direction to go all the way until the end, is already not within my realm. It's not completely within my power. And if it's not within my power, then it's within God's power. Oh, so here we have the relationship that I did my part, God do you part. Don't ask God to do his part in the choice making when the choice is a mitzvah. You made a choice you want to hear the chauffeur, as you're supposed to, but you're in Siberia in a prison, you can't. So that's God's saying, you're not going to hear the chauffeur. That's right. So, but where's you, you, where's the betachen in that? The betachen is prior, prior to not hearing the chauffeur. To have bitachin that God is going to help me hear the shayfa. I'm relying on God. It's in, with God's world. So prior, I'm, I'm relying that God will allow me to do it. And post facto, I'm relying that for some divine reason, God did not want me to do it. Either way. But I should never have bitachin on the part which is on my responsibility. This, all, this is the theme of the whole fourth chapter. I mean, going back, why should I go work and make a living? If I have bitachin, God will provide for me. And you say, no, 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 no. That which is on you, don't have bitachin then. You do your responsibility. My responsibility in the mitzvah is, is the choice. And my point is, if it's not mitzvah, then even that needs bitachin because I don't know what to choose. And we all grapple so much with that. We don't like living in a world in which things are not clear. It's very disturbing, unless you embrace it and say, "Wow, that's what you know." That can make life so beautiful. Like there's really unknown. It's mamash unknown. Then he adds another layer. Which is Gavaldi. So this is all mitzvahs between man and God, which, so to say, don't affect other people. But then you have, on page 168, and onwards, is is where, no, no, and, and page 174, and page 17, which is category number five, he adds another layer of mitzvahs, and the, the choice part, the inner focus, the inner, I'm going to direct my mind, my mind and my heart is on me to do. Bitochen is whether it's actually going to happen until the end. That's already not within my power. Now he's writing the other nuance. He's bringing back what we spoke last week, that any mitzvahs that we do for others. Here's where I want to bring in, here clearly, I can bring in the Alter Rebbe's Tanya. So we spoke last week all about Kavana. Kavana meaning when I'm doing something for someone else, am I doing it because I want their approval? Am I doing it because I want to control them? 
Same thing with mitzvahs. Same thing with mitzvahs. Why am I doing? Why am I doing this mitzvah of helping someone else? Am I doing it because I want to become famous? I want to get honor. I want their approval. I want to control them. Here's you have the same challenge. And these feelings are something for which it's correct for me to daven to God and to have bitachin on God that God will help me become purer. Because by nature, I'm all convoluted. The mitzvah is to do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Now, how am I feeling when I'm doing it? I'll do my best to do it altruistically, but maybe I'm doing it for COVID. And he, he writes so much about that people should not say when it comes to mitzvahs that since I know my truth and I'm doing it to get honor, so I won't do it. Don't do that. It's better for the mitzvah to be done with not pure intentions than for the mitzvah not to be done from God's perspective. But at the same time, better even is doing the mitzvah better. And the inner avodah, inner work, working on my midos, that's the nekudah of the Alter Rebbe. Inner work is not completely within my control. I have a responsibility to choose to become better, to become humbler, to become more modest. I, can, I have the power to direct myself to become more modest, but to actually do a mitzvah and not seek any type of recognition, which makes the mitzvah much purer, is something that you, for that you need bitachin. But that's already an area that we, we don't have the full power. God did not give me the full power over that. There are so many beautiful Hasidic stories. There was a Jew by the name of Rab Hillel from Parich. He's one of the older Chabad Hasidim. And he was gifted by God. He was a great orator. Not only did he speak well, he was extremely intelligent. Right? Rabbi Manus Friedman of that generation was like a, someone who like, understands things and, and explains them. And, and the, 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 the second Rebbe and the third Rebbe actually appointed him that he would come to the Rebbe to hear Hasidus and then to go out and to share it with the people. And he was very successful. And he w- and it started to get to him. So he told the Rebbe, Rebbe, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to I don't want to do this anymore. I'm getting too much honor. It's getting to me. He would come to places, there would be thousands of people that would get together. The Rebbe told him, You should turn into an onion, but you're going to keep on doing your work. An onion means something that smells bad in this context. That you're doing it for honor makes you stink, acknowledged. But why should those people lose out? Because you are stinking. You'll stink. In other words, will God take take you to task? Probably. But but that's the solution is not, not to do it. No, we gotta do the mitzvahs. All of the inner wirings of ourselves, of making sure that our mitzvahs are better in the context, not that I'm giving more money, but I'm not doing it because I want recognition. I'm not doing it to control you. That's something in which I do not have full power over me. So now I have to have bitachim. Bitachim that since I'm doing my part, God, I'm sure you're going to help me out. And if God chooses not to help me out, then I have to have another bitachim. I'm sure that me struggling in this area is exactly what's good for me. At least after I do the mitzvah, I should be humble by the fact that I'm arrogant. good. At least you'll stay humble. Imagine the guy that does the mitzvah with the best kavana. Everything is perfect. Maybe they'll become even more arrogant. There's a beautiful prayer that we say at night for people who have in Maidiv. In the prayer called Hashkivenu, we ask of God, Remove the Satan from before us and from behind us. From before us means that I'm about to do something good. So the Satan comes and he tells me, don't do it. So I'm asking of God not to make the choice. Don't make it hard for me. See, don't, 
Get rid of the satan from before me. Where is the satan behind me? I did it already. If the mitzvah I did already, you have a new satan. I should be arrogant. Look at what I did. So they were asking God that for that, and we, we daven for that. Make things easier. Afterwards, make sure that that whatever it is that you did should not turn you into some arrogant person. Don't use that favor that you did to get control over the other person. This is all satan ma'achadenu. And we don't have full power over that. We should be aware of our struggle there. But any inner struggle is an area in which, like today in the modern world, people go to therapy. They need God's help also. Good. Go do your work. Will it succeed? I have to do my work and I need God's blessing. And wherever I need God's blessing, that is where I have bitach. So, okay, so just to take tzedakah for a quick second, like, so there's the myth of the tzedakah. Some people are, by nature, more generous and give freely. And there are others who are so difficult for them that they almost can't even recognize that, like, it's hard for them. So, like, Hashem created them this way, Correct. with different natures. And so, like, how does this play? In other words, for the, for the person that gives generously, like, it's almost like it's also not an awareness. It's just nature. And like so, so the per, like in other words, ideally the person who doesn't give freely would daven to Hashem, like to inhabit and like to be able to give more openly. But most people are not so self-aware that like that's actually their challenge. Correct. So how, like, how do you reconcile that? Well, whenever a specific case comes before them in which they are able to help, dear, God told them help. And there, it's not about bitachin, it's about you accepting my responsibility. I mean, the, the beauty of America, even today, is that not everything is staring you in your face. Thank God. So I'm not denying the fact that there are many people in the community that need a lot of financial help, but it used to be much clearer in the shtetl. You would walk down the street and there would be a person that's starving. And that person was a yid. Or when you live in certain countries and you have going, they're starving. Give them food. The choice is mine to make, not bitachem. Maybe those people were were faking it for that. I need bitachem. But going back to what you're saying, whenever the issue is not about my choice, whenever the issue is about how is my mind and heart involved in doing what I'm choosing to do, there, there is a combination of me being responsible to try to refine myself and the acknowledgement that God did not give me the power to fully refine my inner wiring. We don't have, that's the Alter Rebbe, we don't have that Koyach. Whatever was not given to me, that is where you bring in God. So you humbly ask of God, God help me. But not God help me choose no, 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 no. Like your kid, God help me get a good mark. A parent told you, no, no, don't God help me, nothing. Go learn. And the very, you know, was where, wherever you have the power, turning then to God is almost a cop out. After the kid didn't learn, then he can say, God help me. The one thing that I did learn, I should ask, get that question. Say that. But that's the, the whole Patek Dalit. He clarifies where should you have bitachin and where should you not have bitachin. Mitzvahs, don't have bitachin. 
until you do it. Once you're doing it already, there you need be talking because you don't always have the ability to find it, to follow through with it. So you're not supposed to daven for help in the You're not supposed to daven for God to help you choose. Yep. That's what we just learned today. He said yes because that's category number three. Because once you made a choice and you directed your mind to do it, but you're not following through with it, now you turn to God. God, I already made the choice. I don't know. It's not working. Help. That's okay. You're not stepping away from your responsibility. That prayer actually will give you more koyach. Or a person is doing a mitzvah, but they're not doing it besimcha. So I told God, God, I'm doing the mitzvah. Help. I would love to love it. I don't love it. Actually, I don't love it. Help me love it. I'm doing it anyways. That's a good doubt. That's a good feeling. Anything that's that's moichen and midas, I know, okay, you're right. He said that the beginning is on me. I want to be besimcha. I'm making an effort to be besimcha, but I don't, I'm not really feeling it. There I need God's help. But I made the choice. The choice is me. Before choice, you know, before choice is freedom. I would word it before choice is freedom. Bechira is free, uh, freedom. But what about the ratzon? I think I think he's writing that choice comes before ratzon. Choice comes before you're directing yourself. You have to want it to choose it. No, no, I disagree with you. I cannot want to fast on Yom Kippur. I don't particularly enjoy it. I don't want it. God wants it. And you want to follow? You want to? You want to fast? I don't. I don't want to use the word want. I'm choosing. I, he, like, I'm choosing to do what God wants. And I'm directing myself to do it. And then there's the actual doing it. Then that area already, he says, that's where you need to have more bitachim because God plays a role there. Can you, can you pray for that son? Sure, you can pray for that son, but but not 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 for choice. Cho- God gave you the power to choose, and God told you in certain parts of your life, I want you to choose A and not B. Very clear, we all know that. I'm speaking about where it says in Shulchan Aruch, choose A and don't choose B. Now the ball is in my court. Now I have to do make that choice, and then I have to focus on that, my my power. Then I have to already come and do it. Okay, to be continued, Chaver. It's great. Thank you. Rabbi, I have another question. Yeah. Off the record, I have a question. So I I make a choice and a wrong choice. 